electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Are people make friends? Just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. The market should have bounced hard today because interest rates were down. And there was no real bad news. Instead, we got our usual crazy swoon before a decent recovery with the Dow sinking 104 points. It's kind of a victory. S&P dipping 0.13%. And the Nasdaq, which had really been horrendous, actually inching up 0.06%. Lately, what we've been doing at the Charitable Trust, which you know if you're a member of the Investing Club, is high-grading the trust, taking off positions that have a lot more risk and swapping into lower-risk stocks that better fit the current environment. We're still selling the high-risk names that don't work, and it is painful. But we want to be very careful to buy stocks with stories that can handle a slowdown. We ended up selling some long-standing underperformers, getting out of one completely, again, incredibly painful, because a good portfolio manager never sells his winners to fund his losers, even if it's embarrassing. You've got to give the losers the boot. But we're not complacent either way. We are very worried about the wealth destruction, for instance, in crypto. We hang our heads on the once great FANG stocks. But we can never stop looking for opportunity because that is what mad money is about and it is what it will always be about. That's why tonight I am going to break form from the incredible negativity and introduce Gavin Hattersley to you. Gavin's a beer man, the CEO of Molson Coors, who in just a few short years has turned his sleepy enterprise into a profitable growth machine with aggressive long-term growth targets. You know my mantra. It's fine to buy stocks of companies that make real things, generate real profits, and return some of those profits to you via dividends and buybacks as long as you can get those stocks at a reasonable price. As for Molson Coors, we're doubly blessed here because people tend to drink more beer in a recession. And this product lineup may be one of the most exciting in all of the industry including a new product he is introducing on the show tonight that I think could be the drink of the summer. Earlier today, I got a chance to chat outside with Gavin Hattersley, president and CEO of Molson Coors. Take a look. Gavin, for years, I thought your beer and your drinks were sleepy drinks, and then I saw that quarter. It's anything but. How have you made this happen? 
Jim, thanks for having me on. Look, we started our revitalization plan two and a half years ago, and we're seeing the benefits of it now. The, the objective of the revitalization plan was for us to drive top line and bottom line growth at the same time, and we did that in the first quarter. But how is that possible? You're up, this is, these are old beers, so to speak. Now, they're my generation. How did they get to become the new generation? The marketing team have done such a good job uh, differentiating Miller Light and Coors Light. They're still the staple. Lots and lots of people drink uh, uh, light beers and they drink Miller Light and Coors Light. These two brands are as healthy as they've been in a long time, Jim. They both grew net sales revenue last year for the first time in a very it's, long time. It's unbelievable. And they, and they grew in the first quarter as well. Well, you're too humble. I know you're a beer guy and it took that. But now let's break news. This is the drink that I am drinking this summer because it tells me that I am a trendsetter. I miss the truly, the white claw. It's better, right? This is a great brand. Uh, this is the number two brand in the Coca-Cola portfolio in the United States. And they've trusted us with uh, launching the, the spiked version of it. Uh, we are launching in June next month. Um, in fact, this is the very first time I've seen it um, in, the, in, the, in the outside world, Jim. Um, and... Uh, the orders for this brand are off the charts good. Off the rock, on the rocks, how do I do it? How do I drink it? You drink it ice cold, straight out of the can. Ice cold. Now, when I'm doing that, this has been my favorite, and you know that I told you at my bar, anything Topo Chico you can't keep on the shelf. Can that actually challenge this? Well, they operate in different places. Okay. So that's a, that's a hard seltzer, and this is a, this is a fuller flavored, flavored malt beverage. All right. So, Different uh, consumers. Uh, this one's squarely in the seltzer space. This one is in the in the flavored malt beverage uh, space. In the meantime, I guess I should be drinking this Vizzy, but they got a lot of competition in this group. It does, but it's a it's it, that Vizzy and Topo Chico are the fastest growing large hard seltzers in the marketplace. Topo Chico is number four. Vizzy is number five. Both of them are growing. Both of them taking share. Let's take uh, talk numbers for a second. These are winning brands. So what I want in the liquor business, I know, I want to put money behind the, the winning brands. But at the same time, people say, hold it, this is going to hurt the quarter. How do you compromise next quarter? I want you to spend, 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 but you got to deliver. We are. We're going to deliver uh, for the full year. We reaffirmed our guidance. We said we're going to grow our top line uh, mid single digits. We're going to grow our bottom line um, high single digits. We're launching this brand in the second quarter. We want to make it a success. So we're going to be putting marketing money behind that. At the same time, Quiz Light and Miller Light, we want to fuel the momentum. They're both gaining share in their space. They've gained share for any number of quarters in the, over the past few years. And we want to keep, uh, keep fueling that momentum. All right, Gavin, the skeptic in me says, wait a second, you got too much debt. How can you grow? Jim, we've taken our debt down by $5 billion over the last five years. We've taken it from $12 billion down to uh, six and a half. Our leverage ratio was pushing up against uh, five times. It's now just a, just a notch above above three. We think it'll be below three by the end of oh, the year. Oh, then you'll have the money. Now, uh, a lot of people don't understand the broad breadth of brands you guys have. If I were going to Europe, if I went to London, what would I be drinking that's yours? I think we've got the best above premium innovation that we've ever launched. It's called Madrid. It's a Spanish brand. We launched it last year in the on-premise. Uh, notwithstanding the, on, the fact that on-premise was, was open and closed, and we've just launched it in the off-premise. That brand is going to be big, Jim. It is doing so well. Well, I also know I'm a big believer in premiumization. I know you are, too. I got a bottle of this Five Trails. Now, I am a single malt guy if I have to be. What are you doing in that brand? You know, when we, when we launched the revitalization plan, Jim, we wanted to go beyond beer. And... Uh, 
Five Trail is, is, a, is, is a wonderful whiskey. It actually won double gold in the, in the uh, whiskey festival in San Francisco. Uh, so we are, you know, hard in its first year, it is very hard to get that. We think we've got a winner there. Now, uh, ZOA, record month of sales and more. I've never had ZOA. Emerging growth, what is that? It's an energy drink. Um, energy? It is, and we've been, I don't need any of that. <laughs> probably not, I do that. That's a guy, thank you. Um, we've, uh, we've, we've launched, um, it's the fastest growing energy drink in the space right now. We've launched it with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, he's, he is so, he's money, that guy. Yes, he is. Terramon, have you had that? I have. Dynamite. It's very good. Yes. It's very good. And he's not just a celebrity endorsement. He actually has got a stake in the business, big stake oh, in the business. Good. So he's a partner with us. And it's, uh, it's early Fine. days, but we're the fastest growing energy drinks out there. That's very good. Okay, now I look at this. I say, oh my God, this, this cardboard, it costs so much money. These beer companies, they, the cans, they all got together. The stuff inside is starting to cost a lot of money. The raw costs are going crazy. What are you going to do? Well, Jim, we've had a really good hedging program for a number of years now. So whilst uh, we're not obviously immune to inflation, uh, we're, I think, in a much better place than uh, some of our competitors. And we're certainly in a better place uh, than we could have been if we'd been, if we'd been unhedged. Um, it's That's a robust program. Very smart. And uh, we, we, it's well hedged. All right, let's talk about the economy. I'm starting my show with you. I never do that. But one of the reasons I do it is because I, I hate the market. It's an awful market because people think there's going to be a recession. I tell people they don't believe me, but I've been through enough recessions to know people do not st stop drinking beer in recessions. They do not. Sometimes they drink more. We've actually got the perfect portfolio for it, Jim. We're not seeing it yet. We're not seeing trade down. But if people do trade down, we've got the great portfolio. We've got economy beers, we've got premium light beers, and we've got above premium beers. It's, it's all there for the consumer. Uh, one last question. This is a personal preference. I get to do it. It's my show. Most of these beers taste like Cheerios, okay? Why does yours not taste like Cheerios? This beer has been around for 20 years. Um, Belgian white, invented in Golden, Colorado, and uh, in the off-premise, doing very well in the on-premise, off the charts now that it's open. This brand is growing for the first time in, in, in a couple of years. And you're still off-premise, and on-premise means that if we have a slowdown in the economy, you're going to make money anywhere. Exactly. That's what I like. That's Gavin Hattersley, President CEO of Molson Coors Beverage Company. Remember the symbol, TAP! Stay with Craver. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. 
See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Despite everything that's going wrong with this market, even a disliked stock can still rally when it puts a good quarter. And that's good news. Look at what just happened with Affirm, the buy now, pay later powerhouse that's gone from a market darling last year to the market's redheaded stepchild in 2022. You know, this was a $176 stock last November, and it had pulled back to $18 and change at today's close. Affirm had one wild day. After setting a new all-time low this morning, this very morning, the stock ended up soaring 23% in anticipation of earnings. When Infirm reported after the close, the buyers were proven right, with the company beating expectations across every major line item. They even posted a small adjusted operating profit. Nice surprise. Even better, Infirm gave solid guidance for the current quarter. And that's why the stock's surging in after-hours trading. So can this rebound continue even in the face of a market that's been totally hostile to financial technology? Let's take a closer look with Max He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Affirm Holdings to learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed. I can't help but add that Max is from Ukraine and has worked hard to deal with refugees in this terrible and entirely unnecessary tragedy. Mr. Levchin, welcome back to Man Money. Sir, how are you? Max, I'm looking at these numbers, and it tells me that not only is buy now, pay later, the way that people want to buy things, but the actual worries that people have about people buy now and not paying seem to be completely misplaced, judging by some of the deals you're signing and the numbers you showed me this evening. Tell us about it. I think uh, the, the news from a firm is that the U.S. consumer is alive and well. They're shopping, they're buying, they're paying their uh, their loans, at least to a firm, quite well. And uh Generally speaking, things are going according to plan. Uh, the upheaval of the stock market does not seem to have an actual impact on our underlying business, which is performing really, really well. Well, I think that you're being too modest. I'm seeing numbers of new customers that are, frankly, very difficult to fathom. Talking about going to uh, six figures to seven figures, uh, is a lot of this this amazing Shopify deal that, that's renewable that I know happens to be working very well for my friends at Shopify? Um, you know, we are fortunate and, and very, very, very committed to have all these wonderful partnerships. It's not just Shopify, although that is a fantastic deal. And we literally just announced that we've extended by several years and brought several new products. So 
it is wide and they've been fantastic partners to us and you know, th nothing but amazing things coming out of that. But we also have a very long standing relationship with Walmart, which has done phenomenal things for the company. And of course the newest one, Amazon. So we've been the partner of choice, if you will, to all these really, really great companies that fuel the American e-commerce. And we, we've done well there. That, that's where all that growth comes from. That said, we also have a fantastically well-growing program we call MSS. Uh, it's a merchant self-service. Literally any small merchant on the internet can come join the firm network and help their buyers uh, buy now, pay later. I want, I want people to know how to do this. So in other words, a small business person should be listening to you and, get, and figure out how to do this. They go to your website, can find out more? Yes, please do. Okay. Uh, it, it's right there for merchants. All right. Now, one of the things that people have been worried about is is uh, loss ratio and chart and uh, late charges. First of all, I read an article that said you late charges, and I said, "Are they out of their mind?" That's what Max said. He doesn't do late charges. Second, your artificial intelligence is proving that you don't have a lot of people who don't pay. You know, if there's one thing I could teach the market is that we are, in fact, as good as we say we are. We have never charged a penny of late fees. We have never done anything tricky or evil like deferred interest or all the nasty things that this industry is famous for. We are the exact opposite. We stand for transparency, for honesty, for helping people be responsible adults and buy things feeling that they know exactly when they're done paying them off and not feel like they're trapped in a debt circle and all the awful things. We are fixing that problem for the U.S. That's why we're successful. That's why consumers come back. That's why 81% of our transactions are repeats because people actually like an honest way of doing credit. That is the alpha and omega of what this business is. It's been 10 years and we got many more to come of that exact. All right, let's deal with cost of capital. Some of your competitors, I, I shouldn't really say, some people in your area, okay, are stuck with some loans that I don't think they want to be stuck with, but they say they're, they're fine with it. How do you feel about loans in the balance sheet and cost of finance? So if you look at cost of capital for us, it's still lower than it was in 2019. And so the rates that are changing as the Fed tries to battle inflation have not been a real impact on cost. If you look at our delinquencies and uh, you know, all that information is in our supplement we just published, it's basically right around the 2019 level. So we feel great. Um, there was lots of noise in the market a while ago about asset-backed securities markets having feelings about a firm that is also inaccurate. We just did a securization where we earned our first AAA rating on a tranche of loans. So our cost of capital is just fine. We've added uh, several billion dollars of new capacity just in the last fiscal year. So AAA uh, rating, rating on your finances. Now, all right, so my, my life hasn't all been done in fair weather. And there were some people I met. I was living in my car. There were some bills that I didn't pay, frankly. And an outfit called Crown Collection caught up with me two, two years later. And I managed to be able to schedule a payment plan over three years to be able to get it done. I don't know. If that were a firm and you had a collection agency, does the collection agency give you any of the money that they would get from someone like a deadbeat like me? Uh, so it depends a little bit on the product that we're talking about. Uh, unlike our competitors, incidentally, we have many different products that we offer to merchants and consumers. Depending on the product, in some cases, if you are late, basically nothing happens to you because it's just not worth destroying your life and chasing you down. And we won't do business with you again as a consumer because that's, what, you know, if, if you really want to call it deadbeat. Uh, in many cases, we're able to help folks work their schedule out where you're still not going to pay, by the way, any incremental interest or late fees. We will just help you navigate a different schedule. And again, 
Seems like it's too good to be true, but it does work if you look at our no, 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 That's exactly how you should do it. I would have been happy to deal with any of my creditors. I could have done it really well instead of being harassed. I just need to be treated decently like you treat de- people decently. Now, Amazon, lately people feel Amazon's business has got a little light. You've been, you have Amazon warrants. You have a good deal with Amazon. Do you think that everything that Amazon is just, it's temporary? I mean, I'd like to think that, that there isn't anything that can really change the long-term status of Amazon as being one of the great bargain houses of the world. I, I think they're an amazing company. We just had our first quarterly business review meeting with them. I flew up to Seattle and uh, got to see a hockey game, which was exciting because I haven't been inside of a hockey arena since pre-pandemic. So that was, that was quite something. And, uh, you know, they are an unbelievable company. I have a lot of admiration for them. They have just an absolute obsession with the customer, something that we certainly have as well. You know, treating the customer right is the first principle of, of both companies run a business. Right. And they're really, really good at optimizing. Over time, they just find ways to deliver more value. And it's just really fun to learn from them. Last question. Uh, We've got now, uh, uh, obviously, we've got PayPal. We've got uh, Block, uh, which owns an afterpay. I mean, are there too many players? Or you can stand your own ground, let the other guys do what they want. You know what the customer wants, and you win. Exactly. So just just for context, there probably is another couple of orders of magnitude to go before this market starts feeling like it's saturated. The U.S. penetration is under 10%, well under 10% across all the players that call themselves buy now, pay later. Now, it so happens that some of our competitors have just recently posted their 15% annual growth rates. Um, Some of them are not public, so I don't really know. Uh, You can see from my numbers that we're growing just fine and doing so with really, really high quality revenue, really good unit economics. Everyone should be switching to buy now, pay later. Nothing would please me more if more banks, in particular folks that do revolving credit, would walk away from those products and go to simple interest, close-ended loans that just help people buy things and not put them into debt. So that's, you know, there's lots of growth. As someone who um, unfortunately has had in a previous career of mine, the need of someone like you, I'm glad that a firm is around. If it had been, my life would have been very different. Max Levchin, fantastic numbers tonight. A firm's founder, chairman, and CEO. Max, it's always great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And money's back after the break. Coming up. But fuel fears and focus. Is this energy concern a diamond in the rough? Get another angle on energy next. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Look, what do 
I say at the end of the show every night, there's always a bull market somewhere. And right now, it is definitively in the oil and gas markets, one of the few safe havens in an otherwise hideous market. In particular, you know I like the oils with generous variable dividend policies. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about Devon, uh, Pioneer, Kotara. Uh, but there's another great company that's now in this group. It's called Diamondback Energy. It's simple fang. The only fang I want you in. An independent exploration production company focused on the Permian Basin in Texas. Last September, Diamondback announced a plan to return 50% of its free cash flow to shareholders. But they also said they preferred to return capital through a buyback rather than a dividend. You know, they do a lot of different ways to return capital. At the time, they announced a $2 billion repurchase program, a major commitment given that Diamondback was only a $15 billion company. So far, it's been a pretty good strategy. Stocks jumped from $80 before the announcement to $127 today. But in part because of that rally, Diamondback wants to change its approach. When the company reported last week, they told us they're adopting a variable dividend strategy, and that's what we love. Specifically, Diamondback boosted its base dividend by 17% to $0.70 a quarter, and they told us their first variable dividend would be $2.35. Guys, that's 9.6% yield. That is big, assuming they can maintain the same level of payouts, and we'll find out. Because this market's gotten so ugly, though, the stock's now down slightly from where it was trading before this is a very bullish announcement. I think that could be the steal. So let's talk to Travis Stice. He's the chairman and CEO of Diamondback Energy. We'll learn more about his new capital return strategy. What comes next? Mr. Stice, welcome to Mad Money. Jim, uh, thank you. It's great to be on your show today. All right. So, Travis, everybody kind of knew a fang, Diamondback, as this very acquisitive company that all they really ever wanted to do was get bigger, bigger, bigger. Uh, There were some who were thinking, this is not the Diamondback I know. I think it's the Diamondback I want to love. Tell about the conversion you had to making as much money for shareholders and why it's a great one. Well, first, Jim, from a high level, I'm really proud of what our industry has done as we've pivoted from an industry that consumed capital, the one that now is returning capital. And as you highlighted in your opening remarks, that's a three-pronged effort for Diamondback. It's it's a, a growing and sustainable base dividend. It's it's opportunistic share repurchases, and it's a, as you just announced a variable dividend, which uh, which was we announced in the first quarter. And you know, particularly for uh, growth, you know, as it pertains to Diamondback, yes, we've been a very acquisitive company, and we've done so quite successfully. But in my experience, when you see commodity prices at the level they are today, most sellers want to underwrite their valuation premise at these high prices, and most buyers are not willing to do that. So for Diamondback today, that means large-scale M&A is off the table. However, we'll still always look for small bolt-on, you know, smart, uh, efficient, uh, small-scale acquisitions like we announced last quarter. If I went to work for Diamondback today, and I found some good oil, had some good prospects, but I brought you some ideas about how to, how to cut back on emissions, methane, greenhouse gases. Would I do better or worse if I came up with the latter? Listen, I think um, our industry has made great strides uh, in emissions. And you know, if you'd asked me that question a couple of years ago, Jim, I probably would have responded by saying, well, how much is it going to cost and what's that going to do to my expense structure and how much additional capital am I going to have to divert away from the drill bit? If you brought me that idea today, what you would see is that now emissions and em- controlling emissions and emissions intensity specifically is part of an operating philosophy. And that's not just unique to Diamondback. We may be a little further ahead. But it's really the industry has adopted an operating philosophy now as part of our full cycle costs. Emissions reduction is part of what we do on a day in and day out basis. You know, in fact, one of the most demonstrative things we've done is we now have almost 75 percent of our existing production 
it was some form of continuous emissions monitoring associated with it. And that's a big that's a big change from just a few years ago. Now, that does not add to your bottom line. You're doing it because you're why? Uh, that's a good question. One, Jim, honestly, it's an, it's a way that we continue to earn our environmental license to operate. But we've also found that it's increasing our operational uptime as well, too. So there is a tangible benefit to to our shareholders as we allocate capital towards this. All right. Now, one of the things that I'm concerned about, a mutual friend, Rusty Brazil, uh, from RBM, was telling me, we are really depleting the strategic petroleum reserve. We're taking down a million a day. We, some people say it's a dangerous move. Is that the long-term way to be able to handle our situation? Look, I think we're going to ultimately have to replenish the strategic petroleum reserve. And, and I can only hope we don't re- replenish it when the commodity prices are really high. We've got the capability here domestically to certainly lean into production growth. The problem is today, though, Jim, is that the same supply chain issues that we're seeing across the, the uh, our industry and across other industries are really making capital allocation decisions very difficult because it's going to translate to uh, degrading capital returns. And that's what our shareholders uh, have been asking for for a long time. And you highlighted in your opening remarks, this is a return period. So any capital we allocate today that degrades uh, capital efficiency is not looked upon very favorably by our shareholders. Well, that gives me a good chance to ask my last question. A lot of people, Travis, say they can never have that discipline. They're oil people. In the end, they're going to just drill, drill, drill. They don't know how to do anything else. I think you, your company, is now exactly the opposite. You're trying to make as much money and be good stewards. And that's not going to change, is it? No, it's really not, Jim. And and look, every quarter, public companies continue this discipline, actually improves the trust that we have in the industry. I mean, sorry, from our investors. And, you know, if you look at what percent the S&P was, is represented by energy today, it's what, four, four and a half, five percent. At the low a couple of years ago, 2%, but you go back 10 years and it's 10%. And I don't think we're going to get these shareholders back until we continue to walk the talk. We continue to deliver on what our promises are. We continue to be very smart capital allocators. And look, for Diamondback, you know, we're going to continue to allocate capital, which which we believe generates the greatest returns for our shareholders. And we try to be as flexible as we can in that. And we try to be as transparent in that business plan as we can as well. well I'm so good at doing that for my charitable trust. I'm trying to get up to 12%. Why? Because your companies are good citizens of the world that give you a terrific return. Travis Dice, Chairman CEO of Diamondback Energy, Symbol Fang, and a great honor to have you on, sir. Thank you so much. It's been my, been my pleasure, Jim. Thank Man you. Man back yet for the break. Coming up, it's a good time to fortify your portfolio with high-grade names. Does Micron make the cut? Kramer sits down with the CEO next. There's nothing more frustrating than watching a very good company report terrific results, only to see it dragged down by the gravitational pull of a horrible market like we have right now. Take Micron, the chipmaker focused on memory and storage, which has seen its stock tumble from the low 80s in late March down to 67 and change today, despite the fact that their last quarter was remarkably strong. 
In fact, the only thing better than last quarter's results was Micron's guidance for the current quarter. Since then, though, the stock is down more than 17%. i got to figure this out. It's certainly not Micron's fault. All things tech are still hated right now. So it's frustrating to see this quality company beaten down to the point where it sells for roughly five times next year's earnings estimates. Today, they tried to turn things around with an investor meeting, and it looks like they had at least a little success at the stock because the stock rallied more than a percent. So can Micron go to where it should go? Let's check in with Sanjay Marotra. Sanjay is the president and CEO of Micron Technology. Get a better recap of today's Investor Day, figure out where things are headed. Mr. Marotra, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be back on your show. Okay, so Sanjay, I heard a story today that you told, which is basically one of High, the highest intellectual property in the semiconductor companies, not just in low-end PCs, which is actually not even that big a business for you, but in everything. And I need you to tell people why this isn't the Micron, where if PC sales goes down, you got to sell it. Jim, our end markets are well diversified today. In fact, data center is largest market for our industry. Smartphones, mobile phones, PCs. Um, automobiles, especially autonomous, making uh, data centers on aut- automobiles, data centers on wheels. So these end markets are diversified, they are growing, and the demand trends are secular in these end markets. Memory and storage is bringing greater value to these end market applications. And we have seen, of course, strengthening of profitability across the industry, but more importantly, Micron is entering a new era of leadership built on its technology, product, manufacturing leadership, and delivering financial leadership as well. We announced today that we are increasing our dividend by 15%, and we presented for the first time in the history of the company a cross-cycle financial model. And this is built on the confidence that we have in the demand drivers, as well as Micron's execution. Now, uh, when you came on our morning show, somehow we got a little derailed. I hope it wasn't my fault. We talked a little too much about low-end PCs. What I want to talk about now is the explosion of, of industrial Internet of Things devices and how you are number one in IoT. We are number one in the automotive sector as well as industrial markets. And in industrial, it's a wide spectrum of end market applications where more memory and storage is being used. Automotive, we have had a strong history of number one market share because we provide high quality products that are critical for automotive, but also leading these markets with industry leading products that that really make a difference, transform the experiences in these IoT devices. So Micron is very much at the heart of the trends that are shaping the world today. Industrial IoT, autonomous, of course, data center. So from data center to the intelligent edge to smart user devices, Micron is really delivering experiences that transform the world, unleash businesses to do more through cloud computing that needs more and more memory as AI becomes bigger in cloud computing applications. Autonomous needs more memory to make those split-second decisions around our autopilot as well as increasingly autonomous features in the cars. So this right. is where a lot of excitement is, diversity of the end markets, and Micron, yes, is a leader in industrial applications, industrial IoT, automotive, as well as a technology leader. We announced today that Micron will be, is already several quarters ahead of others in the industry with our one alpha DRAM, 
and 176 lira NAND. And we today announced that by end of this year, we'll be starting production ramp of our next generation technologies. And Jim, I think we will again be several quarters ahead, both in NAND and DRAM of our competitors. And, and for people who want to own the stock, I want you to turn to page 28 of the deck, where you can see how much they've gained in automotive and industrial, how much they gained in data center and graphics, and how PC and mobile has been cut back, which is why I like it. Now, Sanjay, uh, there are some people who uh, claim that they are the deans of American industry and building things here. They're very nice people, and I like that. I want people to put up factories here. But is Micron not America's semiconductor company? You know, of course, Micron was founded in Boise, Idaho, 43 years ago. And as you were referring earlier, Jim, Micron is the innovation powerhouse. We announced yesterday that we have 50,000 patents now. That is monumental, and that shows how much innovation, technology leadership, manufacturing excellence, product innovation that we have delivered here. Of course, as an American company, we are very proud of our roots here. We have manufacturing for automotive and industrial markets. As, uh, overall, a small part of our overall production in, out of Manassas, Virginia. And of course, world's best in class R&D facility in Boise, Idaho, and tremendous opportunity for future expansion of leading-edge semiconductor memory here in the U.S. Because, after all, we are the only U.S.-based memory and storage company. Incredible. Now, I have to get to this because I want to bury it. Uh, do you think that cell phones, cell handsets, are falling off a cliff? Do you think that lower-end PCs are done? Because last time when you were here, somehow that became the narrative, and that narrative was wrong. Well, what I would say is that it's not like anything is falling off the cliff. You know, for lower-end PCs, consumer PCs where memory usage is actually at lower end of it, is not uh, the, the big part of the market for us. Enterprise PCs are big because they, they use more content in those enterprise PCs. So, yes, while consumer PCs lately... Have, are not experiencing the same kind of growth right. that they experienced in the last two years. Although they remain a large market, enterprise PCs and desktop PCs continue to be a healthy market. And handsets are fine, right, sir? I mean, China's on lockdown, but handsets are fine. With respect to handsets in China, with certain smartphone manufacturers, their end demand due to COVID lockdowns is somewhat weak. So some inventory adjustments by certain handset manufacturers in China. But what is important is that overall handsets, and Micron is engaged with all leading players. Right. Our footprint is diversified with handset providers in terms of our supply. And handset continues to be a large market. While its growth rate, because the total number of units being sold has stabilized now, but 5G and applications continue to drive increased DRAM and flash content Mobile continues to be a large market opportunity for our right. industry, but no question that data center, automotive, industrial, networking, these are the big growth drivers in the years ahead. Excellent. And that's how the narrative must be known so people understand to buy your stock. Sanjay Marocha, CEO of Micron. Thank you for everything you do for the country, sir. You've done a remarkable thing. You've kept us in the game. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Mad Money is back after the break. I hope you heard what he had to say, okay? It was very, very positive. Stay with us.
Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Let's run for the lightning round. Are you ready? Skeet that's on the lightning round. Let's run with Michael Brown. Michael. Good evening, Jim. Good evening. Booyah. Booyah to you. All right. Um, long-time listener and reader. and invest my time before I invest my money. But uh, the stock I have tonight has a real low P.E., a 52-week of 52, and it is none other than Harley Davidson. All right. Well, I would normally like Harley Davidson, but I think there's too much competition for the worldwide, even though that CEO is very good. We're going to take a pass on it. Just even though it's cheap, it's not what we want. I want to go to Gordon, Louisiana. Gordon. Gordon, speak to me. Booyah, Jimbo Booyah. from Booyah. Louisiana. Go right. Tigers. I like Jimmy, that. I like the, I like the E&P space, Jimmy. You want to get your thoughts on Talos Energy. Talos Energy, do the job. It's a little small for me, but it'll do the job. You know, I like the bigger boys. I do like the Devons, but I think you'll do fine in that one. Let's go to Marvin in New Jersey. Marvin. Hey, Jim. Yes. I'm in your, your space. What do you know? Listen, I bought AT&T in the mid-30s a while back. And I'm wondering if I should double down now. No, no, I don't need you to double down. I think that, that ATT is making a comeback, though, because they got rid of some things, a little more focus. I did get more positive on it, under, under 20. I think you're fine. You can ride it for a couple points, not more than that. Sarah in Illinois. Sarah. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, Sarah. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Good. I'd like to ask about Jamia. Um, it's given the nickname of the Amazon of Africa and partnering with UPS. Like it's to too dangerous. Are. We are in a market that is fraught, and the blue chips are getting crushed. we got to stick together and high-grade our portfolios, not take them lower. Jerry in Missouri. Jerry. Jim, I'm a founding member of the club and want to say thank you. Yes, yes. Had a bunch of bunch, man, a bunch of them on the, on the street today. People are so excited about what we do. I've got much more up my sleeve. How can I help you now? Well, I want to say that this is a high-grade stock, but it doesn't make stuff. It's a cloud-based data platform. I know you like the CEO, and I've talked about him a lot in the past, but I haven't heard you speak the company name in quite a while. Is there a price? when I should start a position in Snowflake. Yes, I think that if you take a view for a Snowflake, if you take a view for a uh, DoorDash, if you take a view for an Airbnb that you're not going to look at it for the next two years, then you can start buying Snowflake tomorrow morning. Malinsky in Virginia. Malinsky. Hey, Jim. Glad to be back on the show again. It's, it's oh, been a while. Good to have you. Good to have you. Join the club. What's up? Yes, sir. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm befuddled on the stock here that's been, just been killing me. So, um... We all know that anybody tied to oil as far as the raw materials getting crushed. But I got a company trading less than six times earnings, just had a great quarter, had the best first quarter revenues in 10 years, been cash flow plus. Uh, they've, they're passing on the raw costs. They've stated it. They've had great international growth, so they're not tied. I mean, I'm trying to hold the name of the company. All right. All right. All right. They, um, go ahead. So they've got great international growth. Okay. They're okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Go ahead. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. I'm going. I'm going auto. They're not dependent on the U.S. and China uh, new car sales okay. for up ten percent. But they made a smart acquisition last year. Cooper Tire. Their replacement okay. tire business was up forty percent. I'm talking about a company that stock price is lower. Okay, than like, when let's Mike hear the Jackson's stock. We can make a judgment. Album came out. 
The stock Say is. The stock. Goodyear Tire from my hometown. Goodyear Tire. Okay, really bad previous quarter, better quarter this quarter. That's why it sells where it is. People do not have faith in Mr. Kramer. He's not related to my dad or to me, but they don't have faith in him. That's why he's got to come back. And Rich Kramer must explain why it's okay now after it wasn't last time. Jonathan in Pennsylvania. Jonathan. Hey, Jim. I'm calling from Jamison in the heart of Bucks County, PA. I'm a founding member of the Investor Club. Love I'll be the club. this weekend. Oh, my God, we should oh, commiserate hey. about Boeing, darn it. But you know what? We're making a lot of money together. How can I help? <laughs> well, I first want to thank you for all you do for us. And, and after you realize Thank you. The club means so much to me. I want everyone to join the club. Go ahead. You, you improve so many people's lives with your passionate teaching. Thank you. Sound thank principle. you. You're a gift to all of us. So I own Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. I want to know what you think of Huntington Ingalls. I've always H-I. liked them. I've always been a fan of Huntington Ingalls when they spun them off. I remember actually recommending it in 1981 when it was a different version. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the inclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Stocks these days can feel like a hot potato. Kramer helps you stay vigilant with a roadmap through perilous times. Next. Doing a lot of soul searching like you, I'm sure. So I want to give us a little sense of history. We're going through a brutal sell-off. Had a little let up this afternoon. But you and I have seen brutal sell-offs before, correct? So we have a general idea of how these things tend to play out. The S&P 500 was down roughly 18% from its highs coming in today's session. We flirted with the bear intraday. That's a near 20% decline. Historically, we've often had nice snapbacks after the level of decline that we've seen. Remember, we saw a fantastic snapback after the initial COVID crash. Now, that was partially fueled by easy money from the Fed, something we are not going to get this time because the current meltdown is caused by the Fed's commitment to tightening. We also saw a spontaneous rally after the big decline in late 2018. And although that was a Fed-mandated decline as well, and it stopped because the Fed changed course. The pressure to raise interest rates ended, the Fed backed off, and the market went back into full bear mo- bull mode. It was just a brief bear market albeit a painful one. Now, I don't think 2018 or 2020 are the right models here. Unlike either of those times, we're dealing with one of the hottest inflation rates in decades. The Fed can't save us from this weakness because the Fed needs this weakness in order to cool down the economy. Powell reiterated that opinion later today, and it's very tough to cool without the crash. What else? We had a brutal couple of moments when former Fed Chief Janet Yellen tried to raise interest rates in lockstep, but then eventually backed off because of a global growth scare and the collapse in oil prices. That showed Yellen was being too aggressive, so she backed down, market bounced back. Again, I don't see that happening. We have much worse inflation than we did in 2015 or 16. Then there was the 2011 debt ceiling crisis where U.S. Treasuries were downgraded by the S&P because Congress couldn't agree on whether we should pay our bills. At the same time, Europe was experiencing a much more serious sovereign debt crisis. It took a while, but people eventually realized that the U.S. was nothing like Europe, at which point our stock market rallied and rallied hard. Again, not exactly the best analogy, because our biggest problems right now are homegrown. Could we be in for a financial crisis type total systemic risk situation? I think it's still doubtful. Uh, That's only possible if it turns out that crypto is a true financial black hole like housing was back in 2008, the housing market's the biggest in the world. I know plenty of people are in crypto, but I don't think it is like home ownership. One big stable coin has now broken down, supposedly like the money market market fund benchmark, but I don't think it's going to be that big to matter. However, 
There are people out there who tell me I'm wrong. There's another another group of people who say it could be a much bigger deal. By the way, I've been warning about these bogus stable coins since last year, and people just forgot that I did. Uh, Still, the matter must be done with expeditiously before too many people lose money in something they know nothing about, and this could happen again. But looking back, unfortunately, the best analogy is the dot-com collapse that I lived through and you may not have. That's part of the thing. I've been through cycles you may not have. We had the former blue-chip tech stocks that did just fine. We had large-cap tech, which consistently shrunk a bit every day, like we're seeing right now with FANG. And then we had 600-odd stocks that were, were just doing nothing, including 330 that had recently come public and ultimately were just dead men walking and folded. In 2000, we periodically had short covering moments that would suck people in, maybe like the one we saw in tech this morning and afternoon, except for the big dogs. But even with Treasury yields down big today, I think most of the rally, except for for the high-grade, better stocks, like in 2000, was short covering. The main thing you need to do here is high-grade your portfolio, like we've been doing for the Travel Trust. If you're a member of the investing club, you know this. In other words, you need to swallow your pride and sell some of your losers in order to fund your winners. We took a position out today at a loss after selling a lot of it as a gain, and it was very painful for me and for Jeff Marks, as we explained to club members, but we wanted more money to buy better stocks. You must never sell your winners to fund your losers. you got to be a realist right now. In 2000, we had a lot more pain than we're experiencing so far this year. So don't get too comfortable with anything you own, because I think the sell-off can continue as long as inflation runs hot and crypto runs cold. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.